This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about the foods of Purim. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> Literally, I think everything in here was news to me. Oh, gosh. That's, that, that is exciting. And okay, um, so I, we, we were trying to figure out what episodes to do this week. Um, and I pulled up a calendar and realized that Purim was coming up. And uh and I was like, oh, what about the foods of Purim? And Annie was like, what the heck is that? And so yep. I gave a really brief rundown of it because, um, uh, yeah, half, half of my family, my dad's side of the family is Jewish, super reform. Like we didn't really practice. My dad wasn't into it. We would we would do like the kind of important family holidays with sure. family. But um, I did grow up uh, when I was very young going to a Jewish uh, nursery school and from some of these uh, holidays with family and moving into into college where um, I, I went to school in Florida where there's a large Jewish population. Um, you know, I, I was steeped in some of these traditions and Purim is a wonderfully fun holiday. Oh, yeah. When you were describing it to me, I was so in and kind of angry that I hadn't <laughs> heard about it before. <laughs> it is full of murder and feasting and drinking and noise making and joy and uh and and yeah, so 
so yeah, I wanted to share it with with all y'all. I'm so excited. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Purim. What is it? Well, uh, Purim is a Jewish holiday that celebrates the story of Queen Esther. It's a festival holiday, and traditions vary kind of widely, but the basic idea is that you come together with family and friends or community and do a telling of the story and uh, feast and drink. It's also common to send gifts of food and drink to, uh, to friends and family and to donate food to someone in need or money to an organization that does that thing on a larger scale. The, the idea being that, that everyone should have baseline enough to eat on Purim, but hopefully enough to celebrate. Right. And yes, this is timely because Purim falls on either the 14th or in some places the 15th day of the month of Adar in the Hebrew calendar, which is a lunar solar calendar, which means the date moves on our calendar um, and in 2020 falls on March 10th. Yes. Coming up. All right. Um, because Jewish holidays start at sunset the previous day and run through nightfall the day of, that means that folks are going to be celebrating Purim this year on March 9th. Got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sunset thing, by the way, um, yes. comes from uh, the, the tale of creation, which starts with there was night and then there was day. So ah. holidays begin the night before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So to understand the foods eaten on Purim, you should know the basic story of Purim, or at least a little bit about it. Yes. Um, and there's an old joke that I think is what I brought up first when I was telling you about this. And from what I was reading uh, about all of this, I understand is is thought to be like real, real American by the larger global oh. Jewish community. Anyway, the, the the joke is that Jewish feast days can be largely summed up as they tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. And it's not always true. Um, mm-hmm. But Purim really does exemplify it. <laughs> so, um, so the story of Queen Esther. Uh, This is laid out in the Book of Esther in the Hebrew Bible and uh, the Old Testament, and it's set in the 4th century BCE, ancient Persia. The Jewish people were not particularly favored subjects of the Persian Empire, then led by King Ahasuerus, um, who was then married to Queen Vashti. Now, this king, he... He was not perhaps the wisest of men when he started his rule, Um, and he threw this grand party for himself, during which he got so drunk that he was like, hey, Vashti, come show all my bros how beautiful you are. Mm. And when she was like, nah, um, he got real mad and listened when one of his advisors recommended that he have her executed. Oh. Uh, When the king sobered up, he was sad, A, um, but B, entertained the brilliant idea of finding a new wife by holding, essentially, a beauty contest. Oh. And this is where our hero, Esther, comes in. So Esther was uh, a young Jewish orphan adopted by one Mordecai. He was the leader of the Jewish people in the area at the time. And Esther and Mordecai wanted nothing to do with this whole queen beauty search thing, but all the young women of the empire were being called in, and eventually Esther's number was up. Mm. Perhaps because she presented herself as she was, which was, A, a plain, she didn't get gussied up when there's some issues around feminism we could break down later if you want to <laughs> there, um, but B, just as a, as a very composed um, and kind young woman, everyone was enchanted with her, including the king, and she was named queen. Mm. But Mordecai warned her to keep her ancestry um, and her relation to him a secret, and so she did. 
which in the royal court meant going vegetarian in order to keep kosher, um, but she did secure a position for Mordecai as an advisor in the king's court. Meanwhile, that guy who suggested that the king execute Vashti, that guy was Haman, and he had been promoted to prime minister, and he was super wealthy and super anti-Semitic. And he cooked up this plot and got the king's permission to annihilate the Jewish people all across Persia, starting on the 13th day of Adar. Real grassroots kind of thing, like anyone who felt like the Jews were their enemies could just go kill them with impunity oh, that day. Oh, wow. Bad guy. Yeah. Um, so Mordecai and Esther got wind of this. And they and all the other Jews in the city fasted and prayed for three days to figure out what to do. And finally, Esther went to the king and was like, hey, I want to throw a feast for you and Haman. And she did. And uh, this really puffed Haman up. But meanwhile, um, Haman was trying to get Mordecai executed, like he'd set up gallows and everything. But Mordecai had saved the king from a plot against his person. So so the king kind of liked him. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so, so. There was a one night of feasting, and and the king was like, okay, so what did you want to talk to me about? And Esther was like, I wanted to to throw you another feast tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, So the second feast— Esther shows up and finally tells the king the truth, all like, look, please don't let Haman kill all of the Jews. I'm Jewish, and you like me. Right. Also, Haman's totally trying to kill Mordecai, and that dude has your back. Mm -hmm. And the king was like, dude. And he had Haman hung from the very noose that Haman had set up for Mordecai. Oh, wow. (laughs) And furthermore, gave Esther Haman's estate, and furthermore, gave permission for the Jewish people to fight back with a vengeance— if anyone tried to come and, and mess with them on that day. Right. Which they did. And then they celebrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that is why there, um, there's a fasting day that some people observe on the 13th and a festival on the 14th or 15th. Oh. It's a, it's a story of, of secrets and identities and uh, the low being risen up and the wealthy being taken down. Um, the kind of reversals that are actually celebrated in other cultures around the same time of year, like with Carnival and Mardi Gras. Uh, celebrants at, uh, at Purim sometimes wear masks and costumes, um, either of people in the story or like kind of whatever. I've definitely seen kids uh, heading to temple in like Marvel costumes oh. these days. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, tellings of the story can be dramatic and interactive uh, with the crowd using noisemakers or booing every time Haman's name is mentioned uh, to drown him out, like right. literally. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of the traditional foods are thematic and involve something being hidden. Yeah. And the rabbinic instructions on how to celebrate say that you should get so drunk that you can't tell Haman from Mordecai. Right. It tends to be a party. So it's, you know, we must do this. <laughs> it's what's been decreed. <laughs> uh, but, okay, we're, we're a food show. Let's talk about some of that food. Right. And probably the first thing that comes up when you're thinking about food in Purim is hamantashen. And these are triangular butter cookies filled with fruit, or really they can be filled with Pretty much anything. Anything. But traditionally, the filling is poppy, prune, or dates. Yeah, all kinds of things. And I was wondering, have you, you've had these? Oh, gosh, I've made them, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, at that, at that like, Jewish kindergarten that I went to. Oh. Sure. Yeah, if you've ever had, like, a drop cookie um, with a jam or chocolate filling, it's usually about the same texture as that. Uh, but triangular. So, okay, uh, to, to, to make them, you start with a round of cookie dough, and you put a 
dollop of filling down and then fold the sides up in thirds to form like a triangle of dough around the filling. Uh, Sometimes you obscure the filling entirely. Sometimes you leave the center open so that it's not so much of a mystery. (laughs) Right. Oh, and speaking of mysteries, oh, there's so many stories about the shape. Um, Popularly believed to represent Haman's hat or his ears or his pockets, Though historians argue this type of hat would not have been around the time this story took place, it probably became an association when the hats came into fashion and people noticed, oh, look, there's a resemblance. Uh, Eating the cookie is sort of an act of defiance. Tosh means to weaken in Hebrew. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, you're you're, you're eating part of Haman. Um, Right. Other traditional desserts have you eating Haman's fingers, um, uh, which are rolls of uh, phyllo dough filled with, uh, like, sweet ground almonds from Greece or Turkey. Um, Or eating Haman's fleas, which are spiced sesame candies. Oh, wow. (laughs) I love this so much. We've we've talked about things like this before of eating your enemy and that— that whole thing, but just the mm-hmm. idea of kids being like, yes, this dude's fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Another explanation of the triangular shape suggested by Alfred J. Kolach's work, The Jewish Book of Why, is that he claims the three corners are meant to represent the three patriarchs that gave Esther strength. Her ancestors, Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. He's definitely not the only one that has made that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, or possibly meant to symbolize how Esther was, yes, hiding her Jewish identity and or God working out of sight, performing his miracles kind of behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, because the book of Esther is is remarkably one of the only books in the Hebrew Bible in which God is not mentioned. It does not like directly show up to perform these miracles. They're kind of like left on their own. Right. So it's an interesting story of these people sort of having to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And several sources document similar types of food, as you were saying, Lauren, something with a surprise insider. <laughs> that isn't quite what it seems. Right, right. An Italian tradition of eating spinach ravioli and manicotti. A gandhi, a Persian Jewish meatball, sometimes called Persian matzo balls. Hmm. They're pretty big. They're large in size with, okay, I read in some places a filling of raisins and nuts, specifically for Purim, and doused in a sauce of sweet and sour. But please write in, because I, I only found that in a couple of places. And I think typically they do not have that filling. Allegedly, the name is a risque euphemism for a part of the male anatomy. Okay. Okay. I am unfamiliar with this dish personally, so I cannot help you there. All right. Well, I I believe a listener out there... <laughs> Can do as a solid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, please do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, because the story is set in Persia, uh, lots of folks modernly celebrate with uh, with Persian Jewish and uh, Sephardic Jewish dishes. Um, one dessert in particular is debla, meaning rose. It's a, it's a floret of dough, deep fried and soaked in, like, a neroli-scented scented syrup, like orange flower-scented syrup. Ooh. I know, right? Mm. Uh, but this is not the end of our triangle-shaped food. It's not. We also have kreplach, which is plural, singular krepel, another triangle-shaped food, yes, sometimes referred to as Jewish wontons. Yeah. Uh, they are pasta triangles, typically with a filling of ground beef or chicken or cheese or some other vegetarian filling. Sometimes they are boiled, other times pan-fried. They are eaten not only on Purim, but also the night before Yom Kippur and Hoshana Rabbah. It sounds like they're kind of work-intensive to make. A lot of articles out there, people complaining about how <laughs> difficult they are and why, I mean, why my grandmother made it look so easy. It's a, it's a dumpling situation. You yeah. know? Unless you really have them down, it's, it's difficult. Yes, but because of that, you can find frozen varieties at some grocery stores. The name most likely derived from a middle high German word for a piece of pastry. It's very similar to crepe. 
Um, but a popular story is that the K stands for Kapoor, the R for Raba, and the P for Purim are the times that you eat them. Oh. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Um, on Purim specifically, yeah, a lot of uh, turnovers and tarts and dumplings show up. Um, I've seen recipes for sushi hamantashen, um, a.k.a. ongiri, which are triangular Japanese rice balls. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Because the king ruled from India to Ethiopia, our Hodud Kush, some people include turkey and or Ethiopian lentils at their Purim feast. Turkey because the Hebrew word for India, Hodu, also means turkey. Since Queen Esther adopted vegetarianism as a way to stay kosher in this story, some folks have an entirely vegetarian meal for Purim. Her diet of seeds, nuts, and legumes and grains is also thought to have inspired the popular filling of poppy in hamantashen. Beans and soup are boiled or steamed are also popular in this context. Mm-hmm. A Purim-specific challah bread in Russia called kilich also goes by a bunch of other names. Very difficult to <laughs> research because of this, but I appreciate a challenge. Yeah. Um, these are bigger and they have more braids, and the thicker braids are often described as a reminder of the rope used to hang hamen. That's so metal. I love it. Yes, and in some versions, they are baked with eggs inside to represent hamen's eyes. Super cool. I I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. Challah is a is a very typical braided um, egg bread. But right, these fancier versions are sometimes served on holidays where they take on a, a deeper symbolic meaning. Other fillings, though, than Haman's eyes can be found as well. Um, uh, savory or sweet, um, from onions to poppy seeds to Rollos. I saw a recipe for Rollos. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> what else is great? The drinks. <laughs> There's wine, vodka, plum brandy, schnapps, slivovitz. Wine seems to be what I ran across the most. It's the traditional, yeah. Yes, and as you said earlier, Lauren, the Talmud calls her drinking until you can't tell the difference between curse be Haman and blessed be Mordecai to emulate spiritual blindness. Although there are a lot of debates out there about how drunk that means. Yeah, yeah. And and the exact wording is is interesting because it calls for you to drink until you are perfumed. Mm. Um, so some people are like, does that mean you're supposed to be stinking drunk? Uh, or is it, I don't know, like there's there's a lot of argument about it. And 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 the practice itself does have a lot of possible meanings. Um I personally like the idea that it's supposed to remind you that we're all capable of getting like drunk on power. Um, and oh, forgetting yeah. how to treat people. Oh, but but yeah, the drinking thing, y'all. Uh, I, I took great glee in this in like mid college when I had just discovered that being drunk was fun. Drink responsibly. Yes. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I don't know. A thing that I was charmed by in doing this research, the uh, the site myjewishlearning.com, which has a lot of great like beginner level info on holidays and practices. They've got a uh, a page of recipe links for Purim, and it's like 12 hamantashen, four Persian recipes, and then just candy-infused vodka. And I laughed a lot at that and was like, we're definitely doing Purim as a topic. <laughs> candy-infused vodka. Yes. <laughs> the best of all religious holidays <laughs> yes. definitely involved that. You know, in my upbringing, which was pretty religious, I didn't have anything like this going down. <laughs> Candy-infused vodka. That's great. <sighs> That's great. 
We do have some history for you, some more history. We do. Uh, but first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, uh, so the story of Esther and the holiday Purim are recorded in the uh, Hebrew Bible. And when that was written and distributed and what parts were canonized when, by whom, is a whole can of worms. But it seems like at least some folks were celebrating Purim by the 2nd to 1st century BCE. So a long time. A hot minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this, the question of whether this story, whether of Esther and Mordecai actually happened, oh, mysteries history. Yeah. Big mysteries history. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, um, and also I did want to put in um, uh, if, if the story that I told up there, well, I mean, first of all, like the direct translations obviously don't use the word dude as much. Um, <laughs> what? I know, right? Oh. Um, <laughs> at least the traditional ones don't. <laughs> Some of the details differ uh, by by varying traditions. That's a uh, that's kind of the key notes. And there's a lot of specifics that I didn't toss in there because we are not a uh, a storytelling and religion show. Right. Not yet. <laughs> Probably not ever. But the future is also a mystery. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyway, yes. Um, yes. Okay, so uh, so it's in the it's in the Hebrew Bible. Rabbis began formally discussing and expounding on these biblical texts in writing 
during the first century CE. And these are called the rabbinical texts or the Talmud. And we know from those writings that people were uh, reading the book of Esther on Purim by about the second century CE. And the wine thing seems to have caught on early. Of course. Mm-hmm. Observing Esther's fast uh, the day before the celebration appears as early as the 6th century CE. At one time, like 9th or 10th century CE, it was custom in parts of Europe to hang and burn an effigy of Haman. Yeah, that one fell out of practice. It did. People, Some people were a little disturbed if they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, using noisemakers during the story's telling originated around the 13th century in France and Germany. And celebrating with masquerades came about around the same time, but in Italy and in conjunction with the uh, Venice Carnival coming up. Right. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Kreplach... One of the earliest mentions connecting Kreplak to Purim dates back to the 1400s. And we talked about the history of dumplings very briefly in our pierogi episode, and I feel like some other episode. That's a, that's a different thing. But It is, yeah. If you don't have much meat, wrapping it in dough is a great way to stretch it and make it more filling. Absolutely. Yes. The tradition of eating hamantaschen for Purim most likely originated in Europe, or the seeds of it did, the idea of it did at least. The word itself derives from two German words, mon meaning poppy seed and taschen meaning pockets. So these poppy seed filled pockets dated at least back to medieval times in Germany. And in the late 1500s, Jewish people in Germany started calling them hamantaschen or Haman's pockets. Mon sort of sounds like Haman, and perhaps it was a reference to the bribe money that filled Haman's pockets. Or it could have been more like the 1700s, 1800s, a lot of different numbers in there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't widely adopted until then, in any case. The 1700s, 1800s. Exactly. Yeah. As for the ears part of it that we mentioned earlier, that it could be Haman's ears, this perhaps came from an interpretation of a shamed Haman bent over with, it's, it directly translates to twisted, but people interpret that as cut off or clipped ears. Before they were called Hamantaschen, they were called Osnai Haman, a.k.a. Haman's ears. And from what I understand, people in some areas still refer to them this way. Mm-hmm. However, the word Osnayim has historically denoted a separate well-loved pastry of sugar or honey-covered fried dough and encompassed pastries in general, general term for them, in Eastern Europe. At the time this story took place, cutting off ears wasn't a common practice, but it was more common during the Middle Ages. And there is no record of Haman having his ears cut. Uh, no, um, although there just there are like a lot of dishes that throw shade at Haman's ears. And I'm not sure what that's about. Yeah. I find it kind of delightful <laughs> in a strange way. Like, like, that dude had gross ears. I'm like, all right. Sure. Yeah. Weird weird shade, but like it. Yeah. <laughs> weird shade, but approved. But cool. Yeah. So how did Hamantaschen become perm-related? The first recorded instance of them in this context came from a 1550 Hebrew satirical play. And this play fell under the umbrella of Commedia dell'arte. In one section, it contains a debate on the subject of eating a food meant to represent the villain's ears. One of the characters insists they must be eaten because the name for them is similar sounding to mana. It's sort of a satire about something we've discussed before, this need for religious leadership to make 
new traditions people are doing fit into old religious scriptures, which through the research we've done in past episodes, I just see that a lot. Over and over again. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just trying to blend everything together. Be like, oh, yeah, this fits with what you're already doing. So cool. Yes. You want to eat these candy canes? Shepherd staff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. The tradition of performing plays of the story on Purim dates to around the 1700s in Eastern Europe. And in more modern history, in uh, in Tel Aviv, the uh, tradition of holding a festive parade on Purim started up in 1912. And that's the uh, Adaloyada. And it's apparently Hebrew for, until one no longer knows. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. That sounds like, like something uh, above a cave, <laughs> a mystical cave. And you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm gonna go see what's in there. Or it's a great, uh, great, a uh, great quote for a for a bottle of alcohol. Yes, your your, can, your candy your candy flavored vodka. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think a good cheers. I, I like that. Yeah. Well, this was so. This was such a delight. I'm so glad. To learn about this, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I got to share it with you and and dredge up. I, I I will I will say again. I'm I'm not particularly religious myself. I did not grow up extremely steeped in these traditions. If I've if I've said something incorrectly, um, I, I would I would love I love corrections. Uh, <laughs> let me know. Let me know. I will read them on air. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm hoping if I'm out and about. On on that day, and I see some kids dressed in costumes, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's a it is a genuine delight to pass by some of the traditional temples around Atlanta and 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 witness people walking in to these religious ceremonies um, on those evenings. It's wonderful. Yeah, it it sounds. I'm so glad. <laughs> I was like, when you told me about it, oh, what? This is amazing. <laughs> and for anyone listening who celebrates, we hope you have a wonderful Purim. Absolutely. Yes. And we do have a little bit more for you listeners. Mm-hmm. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. 
Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener Mail. What are those things called? Uh, ratchets. There's a. There's also a. Oh, a G. Yes. Word. There's a G word. People Any. know and they can let us know. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> Everett wrote. I was catching up on episodes of one of my favorite podcasts. Oh. <laughs> and the one y'all did on Food Heist made me think of a comic series I'm reading currently. It's called Chew, and it's about oh. a detective. Tony Chu, yeah, <laughs> working for the FDA with the power to get psychic impressions from what he eats. In the course of his investigations, that leads to eating all sorts of things and people. It's a bizarre world with a poultry prohibition and abundant food puns. And if you ever do a Beats episode and mention Beats in culture, Beats are the only thing his power doesn't work on. Ah, yes. I've read a little bit of Chew. I've read, I think I just read the first volume, but uh, but I enjoyed it very much. That sounds right up our alley. <laughs> yeah, it's real gnarly. I, yes? I like it. Oh, oh gosh. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, further reading. Lindsay wrote, Longtime listener, first-time writer, I just finished listening to your pierogi episode last night. I live about an hour outside of Pittsburgh, and I've witnessed quite a few pierogi races when I was little. I haven't been to a Pirates game in a while, so I can't say whether they have pierogi on the menu, but one of their new items last year was the Pittsburgh cone. It has kielbasa, pierogi, Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, and Russian dressing all piled up in a waffle cone. It's quite a sight to behold. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. I also just saw on Facebook that the Pittsburgh Pierogi Festival will be held at Kennywood, a local amusement park, on September 27th. If you have the chance to stop through, make sure you stop for the potato patch fries. Yes. Oh, gosh. Kennywood. Oh. I want to go so badly. Oh. <laughs> September, you're so far away. <laughs> oh. That. I love that it all comes in a waffle cone. <laughs> right? Oh, that sounds amazing. Yes. I want to eat that immediately. I'm horrified and hungry. I, I, th- I feel like it's one where I would eat it um, so quickly and 30 minutes later, it would have some regrets. Regrets, yeah. That sounds some like it. Some questions about my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then but another 30 minutes, I'm like, oh, that was good. Maybe i get another one. <laughs> Tis the cycle <laughs> of the human consciousness. It is. It is. Yes. Mm. We must all learn to deal with we- our, own, our own cycles. <laughs> and are they regrets if they were delicious? Ooh. Thoughts for later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we thank both of these listeners for sending us their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to send us your thoughts, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. 
Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island. It becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 